Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. I'm Alexander Chester, and Av, what are you, banging some kind of Mormon beautician? And I'm Av Sinensky, and Alex, maybe tomorrow we'll dress up like Kaufman and Hart, put on coats and ties, tweed jackets, smoke some cigarettes. Maybe we'll have a good podcasting day. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss Season 7, Episode 6, The Bear Midriff, which originally aired on October 25, 2009. Ah, uh, do you frequently bear your midriff? No, but I think bear midriff sounds a little bit like base midriff <laughs> when you say it. That's <laughs> I was not expecting that. Uh, it does for, more, right? for more base midriff references, tune into an episode to come of this podcast where we talk about Jewish things for a change. Um, yeah, I, I do have to say though, it's now a. Uh, it's like summer is here. Like this weekend in in the New York New Jersey metro area was like in the nineties. It was very very hot. And, and COVID is sort of, uh, uh, at least if you're outdoors and if you're an adult, it's sort of largely over because uh, everybody's vaccinated. Um, fortunately, yeah, it's those. funny that it, it's funny that it's over, except that kids still aren't allowed to do anything fun. It's like yeah. only grownups are allowed to have fun. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, children. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very serious virus going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, but we went to like, we went to like friends swimming pool, a friend swimming pool. And, um, and I had to like take my shirt off and it's like, oh, boy, it's been a, it's been a long time in COVID. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't need to share. You don't need to bear that measure. Yeah. I just went to, um, I went to my first sporting event. I went to mm-hmm. the Mets game tonight. Mm-hmm. Great time was had by all. The Mets were victorious. Yes. Um, I went to a restaurant in New York City last night. It's, you know, we're, I'm living you my life. You said that's the first time you've been in Manhattan in two years. First like, time I've been in Manhattan 2019? since 2019. I don't know. I can't tell you exactly when it was in 2019 that I was there. I was definitely not there at any point in 2020 or obviously 2021 until yeah. yesterday. And just and just for context, you live as a bird flies how many miles from Manhattan? 20? Fewer? Yeah, something like that. It's, you know, with no traffic, it's a 30-minute drive. Yeah. Um, but it is but sort I, of crazy. I mean, yeah, I, I live I, as a I live as a bird flies probably what? 3 miles away. Like yeah, I'm, you're very close. You're very yeah. close. But uh, it's like a foreign land to me. Yeah. Although I don't know if we, you know, the part that's of Manhattan that's uh, three three miles from you. I don't know if everyone considers that technically Manhattan. I mean, it's it's not the most you know hopping part probably. But um, yeah, it's the part where you and I spent the most of our lives. I think in Manhattan. Actually, yeah, but like right. when someone's like, "Oh, I'm going to the city," they don't mean Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that's what Manny Ramirez means. Yeah, I was actually now, that. In could, a, that could uh, be what Ma- Lin Manuel Miranda means. His new movie's coming out. That is true. His new movie of his uh, old play. Yes. Um, yeah. And he'll be on uh, next season of Curb. Not next season. Two seasons for now. Two seasons for now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. I don't love him on Curb. Yeah. It's not. He's only. I think he's only in the one episode. Maybe two. It's the the, the episode. In, I mean, the whole fought with. Well, whatever. Well, let's not talk about that. We'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I was in a uh, I was in a bagel store yesterday in, mm. on Long Island, uh, picking up some breakfast, and a very large, muscular man walked over to me and said, "Do you like wearing that mask?" And I said, "No, I do not." And he said, "Then why are you wearing one?" And I said, "What?" <laughs> and he said, "Why are you wearing a mask if you don't like wearing a mask?" And I said, well, I think the store has a sign that says you should wear a mask inside the store. And he said, did you serve this country? <laughs> and I said, no, I did not. And he said, well, this is communism going on. This is a real conversation? This is a real conversation. This happened to me in a, and I was like very wait, 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 like, Was this a person you know or a total stranger? No, total stranger. A total stranger comes up. How like wh- wh- how many other people were in this bakery at the time? It was a bagel store. Um, oh, but I don't know six. And how many of that? And they were all wearing masks. Also, everyone was wearing a mask except for him. And so you're the one he decides to focus on. And so I was I was confused at first because around me a lot of the stores have now put up signs that say must wear mask if you're not vaccinated. Oh, okay. So I was like, oh, maybe I don't have to wear a mask in this store. In which case, like, I don't like wearing a mask. I'm, I'll happily take it off if I don't have to. But yeah. then, like, I, I, but like, I'm pretty sure the sign said that you have to wear a mask. And as everyone knows, what communism is, it means that uh, private store owners get to dictate the rules of what takes place inside their own private uh, business. Yeah. They have complete control. Is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, that's that's communism. Um, yeah. yeah. So of course, though, I was like, I was very. It's also of, like, it's also worse than the Holocaust, from what I understand, from a certain members of Congress. Yeah. Um. So like, yeah, I just I I very much didn't want to get my ass kicked by a stranger for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> like that was like my primary objective. I mean, it would be a very um, funny reason. Yeah, and I uh, I for everyone else. To him, uh, so, sir, I wonder, uh, which candidate did you support in the last presidential election? <laughs> <laughs> Are you a uh, Gary Johnson supporter? <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't in this one, right? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think he learned his lesson. Uh, no, no, no reason to be a spoiler and be hated by everybody. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was uh, that was the most eventful. Uh, in well, you did quite a few days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's get my ass kicked. I- I've eaten four bagels today, but I <laughs> haven't got into a confrontation. Yeah, because um, because I'm like the garbage disposal in my house. So we have a bunch of leftover yeah. bagels that have gone stale and gross. So I force myself to eat two for lunch and two for dinner. Yeah, it's very hard to eat one bagel. Yeah, <laughs> I always want to eat more. Yeah. Um, oh, I thought you were being. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. I thought you were saying it's hard. Like, how can you eat more than one bagel because they're very large? But you know, no, it's hard to eat only one bagel. Yeah. It's hard, it's hard it's to like one of a lot of things. Yeah. Again, this, yeah, is, this, is, this is why I'm not ready to start bearing my, my midriff at the post-COVID uh, pool parties. All right. Well, let's. Uh, why don't we bear our midriffs and uh, yeah. get into it? All right. Well, let's get it. Yeah. Jillian Bell from Workaholics. She's bearing the midriff right away. Yeah. So we are at, I think, is this Jerry's office? Is this like their shared office space? Yeah, it's strange. not really clear. Well, I, we're just going to call this Jerry's office. Well, well oh no. so I think it's obviously LD's. Because, but he has his own office. Well, 
so what, what I'm trying to figure out is, has he rented a new office so there's extra space for Jerry? Because while they're working on this, like they need like the joint office space. Um, also, this building, like from the ex from the external shots, it looks like it's like on a college campus or something. It doesn't look like an it's, office building. It's on the NBC lot. I actually looked this up. Okay, because it looks it's, so unique. I was just wondering what it was. I was trying to figure out yeah. whose office it was. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so yeah, it's it's just a lot. It's not a real, uh, you know, office in LA, office building. In now, LA. are LD and Jerry the only people in this office with Maureen? I didn't see anybody else. Um, and based on the positioning of the of how they're sitting, like it seems to me like that's Jerry's office. Like Jerry's like sitting at the desk, and Larry's like sitting at a chair on the on the other side of the desk, right? Mm. So, like to me, that makes it la- like it's oh. Jerry's office and Larry's in there. But who knows? Um, but I'm gonna call it Jerry's office. Okay, fair. So we're in Jerry's office, and Jerry's waiting at his desk for Larry, and Larry is peeing, and he has what some would call a very long pee stream, which Jerry uh, obviously doesn't pass up an opportunity to comment on that. And Larry explains that he is taking a new medication, um, unbeknownst uh, to human man before this uh that makes your pee go for you know many seconds and uh stream out of control yes and they are talking about the reunion episode and jerry mentions that meg ryan is not going to work out because of her schedule but you know who would be great lisa kudrow she is great at reunions in fact she's going to be in a reunion this week i believe yeah so basically jerry and larry have both been independently casting the show without even consulting with one another yeah, although I would say that Jerry is doing, you know, his infraction is much worse because when he's doing it without Larry, he's casting people like Meg Ryan and Lisa Kudrow, and Larry has in mind his ex-wife, who isn't an actress. Yeah. Well, she is an actress. <laughs> I mean, she's not a very successful actress. Yes. Well, no, but that's the argument that they have. Yeah. Um, so Larry's like, well, I, personally, I think it would be much better to go with an unknown because it'll feel more real. For example, Cheryl. <laughs> and Jerry says, well, maybe someone who looks like Cheryl, like Renee Zellweger. Once again, household yeah. names, Jerry is, yeah. ha- is uh, suggesting. Um, and Larry says, no, it really should be Cheryl because she's the one who actually lived these storylines with me, Larry. So she yeah. would be the best person to play this part. So She's leaving aside the obvious like meta-ness and the reference to Seinfeld and, and you know and Kramer and, and everything else in the show Jerry and Seinfeld, in the real world, not the real world, in the world of Curb, is it not obvious to Jerry the moment that he mentions Cheryl why he's doing this whole thing the way it was for Jeff? It should be like um, like your ex-wife who you're not even with right now, you want to you want to cast her on this show? What's the reason for that? Oh, I understand. Like yeah, so. Uh, very, very bad job by Larry. Yeah. Well, bad job by Jerry. By Jerry. For not sussing me. it out. But yeah. Jerry yeah. Pl- is playing on this show, the character he often plays in Seinfeld, which is sort of a guy who's very easily duped. Yeah. Is he is right being duped. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Jerry's like, I, I don't know. I don't see the correlation between, you know, the real person, and the actor. Like, in the movie Frost Nixon, should Nixon have played Nixon? <laughs> not, not a bad uh, reference by uh, Jerry there, I think. Yeah, I really like the movie Frost Nixon. Yeah, so did I. But would it have been worse with Nixon playing Nixon? Yes, obviously. Yeah, much worse. Um, it would have been an pre- actual, real, like a real version of that, which is Richard Nixon. Like predict you know, yes or no, there will be a movie about the Donald Trump presidency in which Donald Trump plays himself. A but but not a documentary. So there's going to be like a, a fiction, like a um, a fictional movie, but he's playing himself. Yeah. 
I'm gonna say false. False. Okay. We'll uh, yeah. we'll check back in. <laughs> I mean, in, that would just be very weird. So he's playing. Of course, it would be weird. What? <laughs> Is that well, that's a why, that's why a barrier? Why would he do something weird and unusual? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll say true. Just so that, uh, yeah, we'll have some okay. stakes. What, what, what's the expiration date on this? Uh, 20 years. I guess the expiration is whenever he dies. Yeah, so hopefully much less than 20 years. <laughs> 20 minutes, hopefully. <laughs> that would be awesome if he dies before we finish this podcast. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Yeah. Um, well, I would like to see him live long enough to get indicted by the, uh, the Manhattan DA. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, probably not. Um, all right, fine. So, all right, die during the podcast. More. Everyone around him will be. Yeah, that could be. Okay. Um, So, yeah. So, Jillian Bell comes in, Maureen, and she reminds them that they have lunch with Richard Lewis, and she is wearing the titular bear midriff outfit. And when she attempts to, you know, she tries to start fixing something on the ceiling. I guess there's something uh, from one of the tiles above. And they both uh, make great notice of her large belly flab that's hanging out in the exposed part of her outfit. Yeah, and it's it's not that large, but it's uh you know it's it's noticeable I, enough. Yes, but this is like what it drives me nuts about this whole episode. Like, it is completely appropriate to tell someone to dress professionally in the office, right? Um, yes, I agree with that. Um, you always run into trouble though when it's like two men telling a woman how to dress, though, right? Well, especially because Larry talks to her about like quote the flaunt instead of just focusing on workplace attire. It's very, by the way, um, my wife and I met when we were both interns in an office together in college. And I thought you uh, met on Craigslist. <laughs> oh, no, no I, I bought her something on Craigslist. But we, yes, I, 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 she was the purchaser and I was her, uh, her agent. We were both on the same side of that transaction. Oh, okay. I thought you were, I thought that's how you met. No, no, we, we had met a week earlier and I bought her uh-huh. a TV so that she could watch the games because she said she wanted to watch them. Um, got it oh i thought okay you thought i literally I thought, met her on craigslist like a random craigslist meetup sale yeah i thought like that was like the first time you met was like you oh, like one of you way- was buying a tv and one of you was selling a tv and then you met and you and then you oh, that's from- a way better story but no yeah me. tell that tell that story instead that's what you yeah. do with your stories usually yeah no i was dating her and uh-huh. i mean not dating her i was spending time with her and pursuing her i guess i mean yeah i bought her a tv so, i mean she paid for it but anyway you should have uh, uh, tried to cast her in a movie instead, and that would have. Uh... Well, um, now, why, why do we bring her up anymore? Oh, so well, we were interns together, and like the um, the office sends an office wide email saying, or no, there was a meeting, excuse me, for all the interns, where the interns were told that a couple of them were not dressing in an appropriate way for an office, because you know these are college interns, and maybe they don't know exactly what you're supposed to wear in an office professional office setting. And Jen was very worried that they were talking about her. And she was like the most conservative dresser in there. And I was like, what the hell are you possibly talking about? Um, uh, mind you, by the way, she, it did not stop her from, she would bring a sleeping bag to work. And when she wanted to take naps, she would just lay the sleeping bag down in the middle of the office, shared with like multiple other interns and just go to sleep. Huh. Which is, uh, th- that's not the necessarily most professional uh, behavior in the office. I wouldn't say so. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so we are going to have our first and I believe only clip of this episode as Larry and Jerry very quietly discuss uh, how to handle the situation. So you may want to uh, crank up your volume on this one to hear the whispering. I can't take it anymore. 
How could you walk around like that every day? Every day, every day. We have to make a change. We can't. Julia got her the job. We can't fire her. We have to talk to her. Okay. You need to talk to her about her clothing. I, I can't do that. What are you talking about? I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> Why not? I, I don't want to. Oh, you think I want to? I don't well, want to. You have to. I have to? Yes. Are you crazy? You do it. No, but you... It's the kind of thing you do so well. I do it? Yes. Are you nuts? This is your forte. No, 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 no. Yes, yes, yes. You're smart and eloquent. That's what you are. This is not a call for eloquence. This is a call for charm, for, you know, lightness and breeziness. That's you. You're really the boss. You're the star of the show. <laughs> she would respect it coming from you. I'm White Glove. White Glove's Larry. I, I don't do those things. When we did the show, you were the one who did this stuff. Remember the cook? How you told her she was using too much mayonnaise? Right. You did that. I know. You did that. She came back the next day, duly chastened, fixed the tuna, fixed the egg salad. I know, but mayonnaise is not personal. The mayonnaise is as personal to the chef as her flabby stomach is to, is to her. So how are we going to decide who's... I'm not doing it. We'll choose. Odds even. One takes One it. takes it. What do you got? Odds. You got odds? Odds. I got even. Okay, one, one six, three, one, eight. shoot. I win. Do it. Um, by the way, I was wondering what we were saying before. If Jerry's not behind the desk. They both have exactly yeah, you're right. matching desks. Yeah, they have the same they have the same desks. You're right. Yeah. I, I um, pictured it in my head differently. I, I love this. I absolutely love like just the Jerry Larry dynamic here. It's it's like we're seeing a better version of what we saw in, in the show Seinfeld, honestly, I think. Yeah, this is just like a great conversation between the two of them. Great kibitzing back and forth. Neither of them want to do this annoying task. They're trying to like, I mean, Jerry is right. This is the type of thing that Larry does like naturally is like. But apparently Jerry had a successful mayonnaise, which is good. (laughs) Mayonnaise is gross and it should not be in things. Yeah. Okay. Um, What I would like to unpack a little bit is um, there is a whiteboard behind Jerry that has a list of what I believe is ideas for the reunion. Okay. So the first Um, one we have is refurbished skeleton what's that talking about yeah i have no idea what the fuck that is what do we what do we think refurbished skeleton is referring to a re because presumably sort of like in seinfeld how the show jerry takes stories that happened in in jerry's life in the show seinfeld the assumption here is that this episode is going to take contain stuff that the, the episode of seinfeld that they're making on curb that happened to larry in real life real life meeting on curb um but there's nothing so far, like the doll, for example, obviously you know what that is. But there's right. nothing refurbished skeleton curb related. Yeah, that's a, I have no idea what that's even referring to. All right. If any listener has an idea of what Larry and Jerry think a refurbished skeleton would be doing on a Seinfeld reunion, please let us know. There's a woman on Twitter oh. at Maxfield's Newell. Yes. And her, but like then her, like her, the name, I don't even know what it's called. What's, what's like your name name as opposed to like your at name twitter name i don't know the one that you could change is refurbished skeleton but she's got her tweets protected they're protected yeah those takes are too hot i'm following her Uh, you have a pending request okay Okay. i'm gonna guess i'm gonna gonna, gonna, oh she has open she has open dms so i'm going to ask her (laughs) what's happening here is dean phillips you're dming my uh yeah a reference to the whiteboard in season really seven episode six of curb all right we'll find out 
your your second um, DM is with Dean Phillips, the congressman from Minnesota, who's friends with my uh, cousin. Oh, yes. He also had open DMs and he had a really nice message about not to do anti-Semitism and attacking Jews. So I wrote to him. Thank you so much for your bold and courageous statement on anti-Semitism. I wish it wasn't bold and courageous, but maybe. In some well, but it is, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Um, I guess you don't have to see all. most of my as you'll see, most of my uh, DMs are DMing people who are on curb asking them if they want to come on the podcast. But also you have James Harden, uh, the NBA player. So uh, very impressive uh, get for you to be. Um, no, Harden. that's actually somebody who, per- who appeared on Curve, who oh. for some reason he made a Twitter name, James Harden. Oh, I mean, I was joking. I could see it wasn't James Harden, but I didn't know it was actually uh, somebody from Curve. So that's actually yeah. really funny. Um, it looks like he uh, would like to be a guest. So maybe James Harden will be on the podcast. Yes, he said he would like to be a guest. And then he goes. I guess. Us. Do we root for the. Ne- oh, oh, that one. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I know who he is now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, look, you could see who it is. You see here. No, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I didn't know who that name was until you know. Um, Got it. Is it possible? Like, have you ever seen him and James Harden in the same place at the same time? I have not. So I have not. I've not seen either of them in any spot. Well, so maybe he is James Harden. Is what I'm saying. Maybe that's. I'm, maybe I assume he is James Harden. Yeah. Maybe if the next season ends, then maybe he'll come on the podcast. Has he ever um, responded okay. to a DM whilst a Nets game was ongoing? Probably not, I would guess. I would assume probably not. Yeah, plot thickens. All right. Um, enough reading your, All right. <laughs> your DMs. Yeah, no, yeah. Let's head back to the uh, whiteboard. Uh, okay. Um, bathroom monitor. So here, bathroom monitor, I mean, there's been obviously been a lot of different things with bathrooms. I don't think we had like a bathroom monitor per se. Um, I mean, I think so later on in the series, we'll have the situation where he gets the guy fired because like the guy, like the guy who like stands in like some of those fancy bathrooms and restaurants to like helps you with the soaps and stuff. Um, And the guy gets help you do is give you awkward interactions. Yeah. So he like asks him to leave and then like something happens and he gets fired. Um, I think that's in the episode with Nick. I think that's in the Nick Kroll episode. Um, Okay. The doll, as you said, we obviously know what it is. And then rage killing question mark. Is that a reference to like later in this episode? (laughs) I mean, it quite obviously is, but like, that's not in the reunion. That's in this episode. So what the fuck is going on with this whiteboard? They're pitching ideas of the curb episode that we're in. I mean, probably they took the whiteboard for the set and they just took a whiteboard that they had actually been using for coming up with ideas. Yeah. And they just forgot to take that one off. Or it's intentional, but it can't be intentional. There, there's no way. And then on the others, <laughs> and then on the other side of it, of of uh, Jerry's head, we have George and Amanda question mark. So Amanda must be the name of the character who's going to be his wife, played by either Cheryl or you know a uh, more prominent actress. Yeah. Well, it will. Uh, we will. We'll, we'll leave the spoiler alert for who ultimately plays that role. Yeah. Um, for it's those who don't know, um, yeah. it is not Meg Ryan. Yes. Um, all right. Well, yeah, so that's that. All right. So my, here, my next question is how like this, this meeting that Jerry and Larry are having together in this shared office, with you know, the desk pushed to each other. Is this a thing that's happening once a week, once a day, once a month? What's your, sort of your perception? I would say once a week. Okay. I think they're, you know, they're working independently and then they get together to brainstorm every now and then. Mm. To talk about uh, the, uh, skeleton. yeah, okay, fine. That's I think that's probably right. Once a week, yeah. Um, so yeah, so Larry is uh is elected to go speak to Maureen. So he goes in and By the way, you know, he... I, like I understand like like why they're not doing this on this show, but in real life, if they're doing a Seinfeld reunion, it's not just Jerry and Larry that have. Oh my god! Writers. Oh my god! What? I got a response from a refurbished skeleton. 
Oh, my heart stopped because I thought you were about to tell me that Donald Trump died. Oh, that would be amazing. Um, <laughs> you reacted way too excited for Reefer or Skeleton. She wrote, it is great no catch. Way. You're no the first way. person to identify it that I'm aware of. Amazing. We are <laughs> <amazing>. currently <laughs> recording a podcast about that episode. Is that really why what? this chose that as a name on Twitter. I mean, this person is like amazing. Think of the Come deepness of the reference. And discuss. Wait, you're inviting this person on the podcast? Yeah, why not? <laughs> okay, fine. Send, send, send the Zoom link. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, we can kick them out of the... Yeah, that's true. It's really awkward and we kick them out after a minute. All right. I'm sending them the Zoom link. Okay. This is a very... I mean, we've had podcast guests pop in unexpected in middle of episodes before. But usually they've been, you know, associated with the, uh, with the episode in some way. Not always. All right. So are we going to move forward and we're going to see if, uh, if Refurber Skeleton is going to come on to tell us uh, <laughs> what that's a reference to? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, okay. So, yeah. So Larry, uh, Larry goes in and he's like, hey, you know, you really should probably wear something that doesn't show your stomach. So obviously... And she like immediately goes like gets defensive. She's like, oh, you're like discriminating against me because I'm a woman. And Larry's like, no, you know, even if you were a man, like I would want to see that. And <laughs> great job. Larry. And like he, like he like makes a motion referencing like her stomach flabby area. Yeah. Um, Does this give you she, uh, vibes to the voice uh, to the voice, the Seinfeld episode in season nine? La la la. Yeah. If I were a man, I wouldn't want to see that either. La, la, la. Um, So, yeah, obviously this is not uh, making the situation any better. She's like, well, what do you want me to do? Wear a burqa? And Larry's like, no, you know, maybe there's something between this and a burqa. Larry could not be worse. Amazing. Yeah, and she's like, you know, I lost a lot of weight uh, to get to where I am now, and I want to be able to flaunt my body. And Larry's like, well, you know, maybe you could go and flaunt two thirds of the time, but for work, you should be more covered up and maybe, you know, leave a little bit to mystery. Let people yeah. wonder a little bit what's underneath. You don't have to show them directly. This is like the worst job of a conversation anyone's ever had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Larry doesn't do a great job. Larry yeah, should not be bad. in HR. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so obviously this doesn't work out. Um, Larry uh, has offended her so deeply that she ends up quitting, uh, which as it turns out, uh, both Larry and Jerry are kind of okay with. Uh, Jerry's like, you know, I thought maybe we could change what she wore, but I never thought we could get completely rid of her. Yeah, but hold and on. So by the way, go- the, reason, the reason I think this has to be Jerry Larry's office is because, and Antoinette was, of course, Larry's assistant previously, but she says yeah. to you, like, she says, I'm not going to go on your vitamin runs. I'm not going to buy your socks for you anymore. Mm. Like, those are clearly Antoinette activities. So this is the new Antoinette, uh-huh. basically. Yeah, except not for long. Yeah. But but she doesn't seem to be, a, or Larry, I guess maybe it's not been long enough for her to learn all the secrets and the lies, right? Because that was why he could never fire Antoinette, but he has no concern. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, she she know she knows that he uh, harasses women in the office and uh, confronts them about their flabby stomachs. But uh, unfortunately, she's not going to be the only one who knows that. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And then Jerry will Jerry will even go so far to claim as this was always his plan. I'll send Larry yeah. in in two minutes. She'll be angry and she'll be out of here. It's not a bad plan. Um, it'll it won't be until I think season eight that Larry will will be uh, given the moniker the social assassin. Yeah. Uh, but now, you know that's basically his specialty. Yeah. Now now the the actual line because I need to ask what the hell this means. The actual line that Jerry says is, "I was hoping, um, I was thinking." I thought this boulevard will walk in there and in two minutes she'll be out in a huff. That's what I thought. So uh, what the hell is a boulevard? I think it's like a Yiddish word. It sounds familiar. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a Yiddish word that did not sound familiar to me at all. But um, yeah, it means a loudmouth know-it-all, a boorish, brutish person. So it is a perfect use of boulevard. But um, it says, who uses this? Older Jews who are middle-aged and older Jews with Ashkenazi heritage. Um, I've never heard of this Yiddish term before, Bulvan. Yeah, it's kind of like, like what's Balaban in in Hebrew? Like Bob Balaban, who's been on Seinfeld and Friends. Yeah, not that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It it's sounds like it sounds like a little bit Balaban? like a, no. I know what Balagan is. Yeah, um, yeah Balaban Although I guess it, maybe it's similar to that too. Yeah, I don't know. So um, no word, no word from Refurbished Skeleton. By the way, we scared so, her off. So a Bulvan is somebody who makes a uh, balagon is what you're saying. Yeah, I think so, actually. Okay, all right. I mean, a loud, brutish person, that's Larry David. So, a bull in a yeah. china shop. A bull van in a china shop. One um, yeah, okay. so... Um, oh, are we in a car? I think we might be in a car now. I don't know. Um, somebody cuts them off and uh, curses out Jerry hmm. um, yeah. as they uh, head over to lunch. So yeah, so uh, they sit down. They're having they're starting up their lunch, and they're Wait, we talk you know, about they're having a conversation about the the honk, the gentle honk. Yes, that, that that's what we're about to we're about to get into okay. that. Yeah, okay, sorry. They're having a conversation about the nature of honking. Larry thinks honking is dangerous. The most he would do is the gentle honk. It's like a little bit of a throat clear honk. Yeah. And Jerry's like, hey, you have a lot of napkins uh, because we need to set up that later in the episode. There's going to be a storyline involving napkins. Yeah. Yeah. Now the gentle honk is uh, my car has like these stupid settings where you can like change the sound of your honk to be like different audio clips. And so, but the problem is it's not that you want your honk to be a different sound than the sound of a honk. It's that as Jerry and Larry are saying, you want your honk to be able to accomplish different things. So you want a multitude of things it can do. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, there should really like a, the, the there like should be like multiple buttons. buttons. Yeah. Yeah. There so, should be like a four button, yeah. like different sounds. Yeah, exactly. So my car has this option where it can be like uh, a put off, but very polite British person. And so now when I honk the horn on my car, my car says, well, I never just like that with that accent. And if it's sort of intended to be a subtle honk, then that's actually a good one. But if you're actually pissed at somebody because they just cut you off on the highway, I feel like you want more than a well, I never. You want a, like a fuck you, right? Yeah, although I would like a have, fuck you button. Although that's probably the button that you should. Uh, that's probably a button you shouldn't have because that's a button that yeah, will lead to a. Uh, people would abuse that. You. I think. Yeah, well, I think I, that people would take advantage of the fuck you button on their yeah. horn. Yeah, I think I think it would make society much worse, and it's not doing so well. So. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what we need. People <laughs> to just be able to yell "fuck you" without <laughs> exiting the car. Yeah. <laughs> there was a, a, a video um, so yeah. being forwarded in these group text messages tonight of a, a woman who becomes very irate at a police officer and then she moons the police officer and then the police officer tases her. And I was thinking like, there's nope, no nope. way, there's no way you're legally permitted to do that um, because somebody moons you, right? 
Seems like a, I wouldn't yeah, think so. A abusive thing for Soft to be doing. Uh, yeah, we might be. We might need to crack down on some of the things that police officers are allowed to do. <laughs> yeah, uh, they have. They have to take the moon, unfortunately, the way the rest of us do. Yeah, they're I mean, they're allowed to like. They're allowed to put on their sirens to go. You know, get coffee faster. Um, they don't. They, they're allowed to park wherever they want. Yeah, it's a lot of things they're allowed to do. That they shouldn't be allowed to do. Uh, so you you're just upset because they're taking your parking spots. Yeah, just because you're a cop means you could park wherever. I don't see why. Yeah, it should have to be for emergency business. I agree. Yeah. Um, okay, so Richard Lewis comes in and he's like waiting for somebody to, you know, they're both sitting on the uh, the outer seat and he's waiting for somebody to move over so that he can join them for, for lunch. And Jerry like kind of like motions to Larry that like, you should be the one. Larry thinks Jerry should be the one. Uh, Jerry's argument is that he's your friend, so you should sit next to him. Larry says, yeah, he's my friend, so you should move over so I can sit across from him so that I can talk to him. Hmm. Who do you think is right here? Um, I definitely hear both sides here. I think ultimately Jerry is right that – Yes, like it's more convenient for them like to talk, but like if like it's somebody uh, should like, be the two friends. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Why, why should if Jerry doesn't really know Richard? Why should Jerry and Richard have to be squeezed in there together? Like, let's put it this way: if it was a couple in the third, the couple are obviously sitting next to each other. Of course. Yeah, and so yeah, so I think you're right. I think Jerry's right. Um, it, Plus, little, you could also talk to the person next to you. Like, it's fine. Yeah, well, I'm a little annoyed though how they do like the very sitcomy thing of like a camera angle that only shows the two of them so that Richard disappears without them noticing. Like in real life, no matter how engaged you are in this conversation with the person across from you, you cannot, like if the person standing two inches away walks away, you would notice. Right? Uh, you would so notice. It seems a little sick on me to me. All of a sudden, like they look up and he's gone. Yeah, but, it's uh, great though that he just like storms off. He's yeah. just like so <laughs> insulted yeah. by the whole thing. He's like, and he's gone. I mean, I have to say the Jerry LB relationship is so great. Like the first several minutes of this episode are wonderful. This is what we've been waiting for all season. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's it's like, it's like, I'll I'll go further. It's like what we've been waiting for since the beginning of the series, because it's like, so much of like Curb is this like, oh, so it's like, a a lot of that was like really Larry. It's like, we never got to see Larry and Jerry together. Like we got to see this like, fake version of Larry in the form of George. But it's like to actually see Larry and Jerry working together and, and you know, kibitzing together and, and writing together and, you know, just playing off each other. It's just so wonderful. Mm. I, I agree with you. Let me ask you a question because you just triggered a thought in my head. Uh, what, if, what, what do you think were the Game of Thrones scenes that were most, like, book readers were most excited for? Like to see. Yeah, because that's what you were just talking about. It reminds me of that. It's like from the time this show started, uh, the book reader equivalent is like the Seinfeld fan watching Curb, and like the mo- like you said, you've been the most exciting thing is I want to see Jerry with Larry. That's what I, you know, as a book reader, as somebody who watched the show in the nineties, I I want to see the Jerry Larry relationship without George, without you know this fake character, but with the real version. And so we're finally yeah. seeing that it's very exciting. And yeah, for some so people, I mean, they've been waiting twenty years to watch this. Yeah, the mo- the most obvious is probably the red wedding. Um, although I, what I'll say is that I think the, the, the battle, the battle of Blackwater, um, is just like so intricately described in the books in a way that like, you've never seen like a battle talked about. And that's even season one. So that's before Red Wedding, obviously. That's season two. Yeah. That's season two? Yeah. It's the end of I season two. the end of season one for some reason. Okay. No, the end of season one is when, uh, Ned Stark gets killed. Yeah. 
Oh yes, because it's like the, right. it's the whole thing. Because like Tyrion does the whole thing with like the chains, and he puts oh, the right. wildfire out of the water. Alert. Sorry, <laughs> I mean yeah. Yeah. Um. He like and and uh, what's his name? Tyrion's friend. I can't. I can't remember names in the show anymore. He like shoots the arrow. It's like it's like so beautifully choreographed in the books, and like and then to finally just like see that on screen and like how oh. everything interacts, which is like awesome. It's like one of the best episodes of TV ever. No, oh, it's very good. I agree. You know what? I got into Game of Thrones at the end of season two, and so I watched seasons one and two like back to back. So I think that's when I don't distinguish. I watched the first episode of Game of Thrones the night that it aired, even though I had no idea what it was because friend of the podcast, Amy, well, was a book reader. And he lived in the same building as me. Um, we, like we had, we had just gotten married. He had been married for like a year or two, and he was like too cheap to pay for HBO. And he's like, "Hey, there's this new show on HBO. It's going to be amazing. Um, Could we come over and watch it with you guys?" And we're like, "Okay, I guess like we'll try this new show if you're telling me it's going to be good." Okay. And we were, of course, like both of us were hooked. They were hooked, and oh, they would come over every episode one. Oh, wow. Yeah, we were like, we watched the show. We're like, this is a, this is like a great show. Um, and we watch uh, it every the, week together. The, he, they, the, three, the three different scenes of uh, of brothers and sisters having sex with each other in the first episode. Yeah, but then it, like it ends with somebody no, pushing no, a no, kid no, out I a know, window. Like what I else do you need to know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, I need to see what happens next. Yeah. He just threw a kid out of a window. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Uh, spoiler alert: that kid becomes the king. Uh, yes, Brand the Broken. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would say to me, the the mountain and the viper. To me, that's like the most. Yeah. I don't know. Now, also, I don't think, I think, I don't think at the time I saw Mountain of the Viper, I was a book reader. I think I, I got into that later because I think I was totally shocked by that outcome. I mean, yeah. shocked and not shocked. I was not shocked because, like, it was very obvious he was doing the in any moment. Like, when you like prance around too much and strut, obviously you're you're gonna get your comeuppance. Um, right. Yeah. Right. Um, friend of the podcast, Jared Jerome. Um, he uh the first like footage he ever saw of Game of Thrones was that fight. Like he just like he had heard about this oh. Game of Thrones, he'd never seen it before. Like he like saw the like on the listings that like it was like there was an episode on. He's like, all right, I guess like maybe I'll just like check out this random episode, like see what this show is, what it looks like. And he turned it on, it's like in the middle of this fight. He's like, Oh my god, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And wow. then he's like, All right, I gotta go watch this show. That's funny. Uh, um so yeah, so he was sucked on that. I'm trying to find out. When did the Mountain of the Viper first air? Okay, that's what I thought. It aired on June first, two thousand fourteen. The summer of two thousand fourteen, so like probably the same month that it aired. Um, I went to Shakespeare in the Park in Manhattan, and Pedro Pascal uh-huh. was starring in it. Uh huh. And when he had been cast for Shakespeare in the Park a few months before, or whatever it was, he was probably like, okay, he's some like career working actor, and he's you know he's been on Broadway and he's been in some TV shows, but he wasn't like anything. By the time he was in Shakespeare in the Park, he was like the star breaker character of the season of like the most popular show. And it was like, it was like such a, it was just like such an incredible, uh, like sort of opportunity to see this guy who was all of a sudden like this massive star and like was having this moment in time. And all of a sudden he's just like, you know, in the park and he was very appreciative and seemed like a very like genuine, nice person. So anyway. Okay. That was Game of Thrones 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, next week, uh, we'll be talking about season six, episode 10, The Winds of Winter. <laughs> um, I think that episode will be pretty, 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 pretty yeah. good. You know what? As long as you like, don't talk about the final season, I think talk, like, Game of Thrones reminiscing is a lot of fun. It was very good. Game of Thrones is a very excellent yeah. program. It was amazing for almost the entire time. 
um yeah i would agree with that um yeah up until like the last few episodes when it was like oh okay this is not gonna work out anyway that's how you feel about Seinfeld. anyway no i don't feel that way about Seinfeld. Uh, i don't i thought the finale was very bad i don't think it at all affects the previous episodes oh, yeah, yeah. in any way yeah, yeah. it's not that kind of show <laughs> <laughs> now now when i watch uh you know random episode from Stephen seven i get furious because i How just know I that it was all going to jail? <laughs> it was all leading up to the yeah. innocent bystander rule <laughs> kramer no yeah all right <laughs> all right back to don't back go to, to the first. beach kramer yeah, you have a deo- you have a cologne that smells like the beach. You don't need to go there. I do, I do, I do remember thinking that when I was thirteen, like, oh no, if he had only not gone to the beach, <laughs> he only had not got to the beach, it all would have yeah. worked out. I mean, yeah. even if he had got to the beach, he didn't have to act like a total jackass, like hopping up and down <laughs> in the plane. Yeah, that's true. Although it is very annoying to have that water stuck in your ear. Yeah. yeah. Um. Here's a thought. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> it's the worst line in comedy history. <laughs> really. I thought you delivered it pretty well there. So yeah, you, so, you so, it, it doesn't mean like, anything. That's that's not a thing. So I don't it, even know what the joke is. It became a thing, didn't it? It became a thing. I don't know. It's a good way to exit a room. So uh, you don't think we should advance it? What if we ever get to it on our Seinfeld quote podcast? I don't. No, I don't think you should advance anything from the finale. Okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, maybe you can advance it, and then when you when you do like the the, the next bracket, it'll get it'll get eliminated. Random line from the finale that is always in my head for some reason is the newscaster who's describing the montage of of the um, different you know character witnesses that have come against them, and at the end it says mm-hmm. and 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 it went like and there it went on and on into the night. And it was just such I'm like I don't think newscasters talk like that on and on into the night. No, it's so I, I always uh, think of those words, but. Um, this is not a sample podcast or a, Cur- or a Game of Thrones podcast or a Cur- what podcast. is this podcast exactly? Yeah, I don't know. Let's try and get back to the topic at hand. It's a COVID podcast, it's not gonna be a 45 minute one episode. Yeah, um, okay, so they're heading back to the office to get some work done, and they bump into Cheryl, and Cheryl is profusely thanking Jerry for casting her in the part, and Jerry has this completely confused look on his face. I uh, can't really, he's like, I uh, like, doesn't really know what to say. And Larry's just like quickly trying to like usher him out of there, tells him head upstairs and, uh, you know, I'll talk to you there. And Cheryl's like, uh, that was weird. Like, he seemed like he didn't know what I was talking about. And Larry's like, no, like, I mean, but it actually like, you know, you're going to have to actually read for the part. Uh, but like, it's really it's a done deal. Um, he just needs to see that you can read. It's like, you know, it's kind of like a candidate who has won the election, but is waiting to be sworn in while his opposing candidate uh, organizes an insurrection to um, prevent that candidate from being sworn in. Yeah. Just like that. So it's a a formality. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But here's the thing. It's one thing for Jerry to sort of be uh, snooken in by Larry's little plot here. But Cheryl lived with him for 10 years. She should immediately know what's up here. Yeah, he should know. She should know he's full yeah. of shit. Yeah, you haven't told Jerry anything, and um, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's actually like it's not as bad as what she would assume. Like he has told her, he's like kind of like iffy about it. Like, she, yeah, she should assume yeah. that you're you're just completely fabricating this. Who, who even knows if there is a Seinfeld reunion? Yeah, <laughs> that would be a deep fake. Yeah. Um, so but yeah, I so put, let, I Gar- put uh, past Larry. I wouldn't put anything past Larry. Uh, so yeah, so he heads back upstairs to uh, to go see Jerry, and Julia Louis Dreyfus is already there, 
And she's chewing out Jerry with the whole Maureen situation, saying, you know, you can't comment on a woman's clothes. It's, you know, saying say it's distracting. That's sexist. You know, women a lot of dress however they want. Jerry's like, well, you know, maybe that's how you dress in your swinging L.A. lifestyles. But that's not our thing. That's not our speed. And she's like, well, you know, Larry actually does live in L.A. And Jerry's like, no, he just lives in his own mind. And he insists, you know, we're not sexist. I've refused to hire men for all sorts of reasons. Like, for example, there was a guy who was too veiny. There was a different guy with a foamy mouth. We didn't hire either of them. You know, we didn't have good reasons. We just didn't hire them for, you know, pure aesthetic taste. Yes. Um, th- there's a little bit of vibes here um, all of a sudden in this scene with Larry's conversation that he has in the Affirmative, Ac- uh, affirmative Action episode in season one. Mm-hmm. Where he was, where that woman accuses him of firing because she because she was black. Right. No, he's right. He's like he's uh, he like he starts like rattling off people that he's fired. Right. Well, it is very odd that that Julia is has like a, a suicide woman taking care of her kids. <laughs> Seems like if you, if you feel like someone is actually a significant like risk to themselves or others, you should not leave them in uh, control of your children. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. I would think that Julia would be able to uh, afford better help. Yeah, probably. But anyway. Um, yeah, so as you said, you know, she's, um, she's mentally unstable. She's, you know, this, if she, if she finds out that her daughter loses her job, she might kill herself. But, you know, even if you're mentally unstable, it's like, you're not going to kill yourself because your daughter lost your job. Like, maybe if you lost your job, yeah, that would be one thing. But it's like, because, like, her young daughter lost her job working as a secretary in some yeah. office, like, you're going to kill you yourself. Like yeah, don't, don't kill yourself for that. It's not worth yeah. it. If you're going to yeah. kill yourself, it could be for a really good reason. <laughs> But also, just don't kill yourself. Uh, also, okay, fine. But if you're going to, don't do it for something yeah, frivolous. Okay. <laughs> I think you've established that point. Yeah. Um, like, so she's like, yeah, please, yeah, but just don't. Overall, don't. Um, so yeah, so but Jerry, also, uh, yeah. Jerry puts, uh, so Jerry again puts Larry in charge of handling this situation. Yes. Um, which Brilliant. again, so now, now we're left to wonder if. His goal last time was to send in Larry to make them make the situation worse. Yeah. Is that his goal once again? He's trying to kill this woman off. I think so. <laughs> that old hag. Uh, yeah, Jerry's a murderer. <laughs> Not a mere bystander here. He's uh, he's a hitman, basically. Yeah, essentially. Social assassin. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so Larry heads over to Maureen's house and he begs her to come back, you know, says, you know, I'm fine with the whole thing, with the shirt, the perturbance, the whole deal. Um, you know, in a perfect world, the shirt would cover an additional inch, maybe even the belly button. But the most important thing is you should come back to work. And she finally agrees. Yeah. And as they're talking, Maureen's mother returns home. And upon seeing Larry, she drops her bags in shock saying that Larry is the spitting image of her first husband, Tom, who was murdered in a road rage incident on their wedding day back in 1962. And we knew that already from the whiteboard. We knew that already from the whiteboard. We knew that there would be a rage killing to come. Now, now here, here's my question here. Uh, first of all, so this woman says 47 years ago she was married, okay? So I have a lot of questions. She got married 47 years ago. Let's say the youngest she was is 20, 21 when she got married. So she's like 67 to 70 now, right? Mm-hmm. She hasn't seen her late husband in 47 years. And Larry David looks the spitting image of how he would look 47 years later, how he did look 47 <laughs> years ago. Like Larry doesn't remotely look like a 25-year-old. Well, so, as uh, we'll see in, in, in the story, yeah. it's just Larry. 
Well, so that's my other question. Like, is he actually Larry, or did her husband say Schmohawk also? Like, <laughs> it's very well, like, like, was she married to Larry David in a different world? But then, in the, like, but he got murdered. But it, it's very confusing. Yeah. Well, this is like the age-old question of like, what do you look like in heaven, right? Yeah. At what age that you die? Like, are, yeah. What like what version of yourself are you? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, we when we get to heaven, we won't recognize any of our grandparents. Hopefully, hopefully for their sake. Right, because they'll yeah they'll be they'll be teenagers. Yeah, but but in our head, they're gonna look like eighty year olds because that's how we know them. So. Yeah, grandparents are old. I think we've discussed this on this podcast. We have. It's a Kirby the Phantom podcast. Have we not? Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe. With the um, with the holograms so yeah, so, with the holograms at cemeteries. Have holograms at cemeteries. Yeah, this is this is ringing a bell. Yeah. Oh yeah, some, we talked about the the Kanye thing. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, why do you assume that it's going to be like a hologram of the person how you know them? It's going to be how they want to be their peak, and yeah, yeah, all right, right, yeah. So we uh, we're taken back to 1962, and Larry and a young Maureen are driving together. They're singing on the radio together. Uh, all of a sudden, they get cut off. Larry calls the guy a schmohawk. And Larry, the other man, get out of the car. And the other man pulls a, I think, a crowbar out of the out of the trunk and bludgeons Larry to death with the with the crowbar. And his blood splatters all over the windshield. Yes, it's a very Larry Charles of curb. Yes. Um, and Larry's like completely blown away by this story. He's like, you know, it's a shame you can't honk anymore or shush. Except people because don't kill you for shushing, only for honking. Forty-seven years ago, so it's not anymore. Yeah, you were never do, able to. Yeah, honk. couldn't do. Yeah, sixty-two apparently. Um, and then uh, Maureen's mother pulls out a picture of Larry. I'm oh, sorry, a picture of Tom to show Larry. And Larry's like, yeah, I don't look anything like that guy. And it seems like the only thing they have in common is that they're both bald and have glasses. And he's uh, he's very offended, saying, you know, old bald people don't look alike. Yeah, she's an anti bald perhaps. Although she, she can't be an anti bald um, Well, I guess. Well, that's... I guess you can be bigoted and still. Uh, oh, some some of my some of my best friends are bald people. Some of my best spouses are. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so Larry asks to use the bathroom, and of course, because of his uh, special medicine that doesn't exist. Um, his unusually strong peace stream sprays all over the bathroom and a drop lands on the picture of Jesus that's hanging in the bathroom uh, above the toilet. Um, so I, I don't I'll, I'll this is just a question. I didn't look at this at all. Um, so obviously, I've seen, you know, that people who are Christian will have pictures of Jesus uh, displayed in their house. And that's all fine and good. It surprises we have, we have me. The same question here. Yeah. That you would put one in the bathroom. Now, maybe this is something that people do, but like, this is not yeah. something that like a Jewish person would never put like a piece of like Jewish, um, you know, artifacts or you know, memorabilia. I don't know what the word, not memorabilia. What's the right word? I'm, I'm losing the word, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, you would never put that in the bathroom because that's not like a Any respectful kind of place. Yeah, like a book, yeah. a picture. We, but so is that a, like? Do Jews? not permitting holy items in the bathroom. Is that a unique thing to Judaism? Like, because we're sort of assuming it's a cultural norm, but maybe just because it's in our culture and we need to get out of our bubble. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not even assuming. I'm just wondering. It's just like I'm I'm noticing something that's different than what we would do. No, I agree. But I have the same question here. The idea of having a painting of Jesus in the bathroom in the first place seems odd to me. Um, I mean, look, if you're God here, you're God there, you're God everywhere. But, you know, yeah, strange. Especially in the bathroom. Yeah, That's when some of the worst crimes happen. Yeah, I mean, the the amount of urine splattering 
seems impossible, right? It's like, I mean, it's comical. I guess that's the point. It's, it's, I mean, it's, everything about everything about this scene is impossible. Yeah, it wouldn't happen if it happens. He would take a tissue and wipe yeah. it off the painting that he just right. peed all over. He, he like investigates it, sees that he has his own urine on the painting, and it's like, should I wipe it? No, no, no I'm gonna leave it there. Yeah, I'm gonna so. leave my piss in, in, in their bathroom on a painting. Yeah. Like forgetting, like even like let's right, put aside. There's a Jesus painting. It could be a painting of a tree. You pee on their painting, you clean it up. Yeah. What's going way, on here? I will say, um, if he peed on um, a religious symbol of any other religion, uh, <laughs> there might have been consequences to this episode. So. Yeah, I think we're going to get to that on season nine. I, I don't yeah. think, I think he, that wouldn't have ended well for him. I think yeah. there might be a fatwa put out on yeah, it. Yeah, well, perhaps, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, Although, would it be that religion? Larry. That religion doesn't permit uh, uh, images of people, fortunately. So, you get to avoid this very issue. Smart. <laughs> right, that's why they did it so that no one would uh, splatter yeah, pee. Yeah, God forbid, yeah, splatter urine on a on a painting of Muhammad because there is none. Ah. could God make a painting of Himself that's so invisible you couldn't pee on it? It's like one of those paradoxes about God. Yes. Yeah, uh, I was talking earlier tonight about the tweets of God. The what of God? You know, there's this got like God's tweets uh, Twitter feed. It's like very popular. Oh yeah, I've seen very that. Frequently going viral. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So Larry gets in the car. He gets I a call from I Richard Lewis. I don't think it's actually God. It's probably not really God. I think God has better things to do than tweet. Mm. Oh, so you don't think God? Or is not? Or he's God? So like he can do everything like by snapping his yeah. fingers. So he may as well tweet like the rest of us. Yeah. In his spare time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it would be nice for God to have a hot take once in a while. It's like it's been a long time since God has anything to say on any sort of subject. <laughs> time that he weigh in on the issues of the day. Yeah, I think that'll resolve issues. Everyone will agree. Well, that's from God. So it's official work. Nothing to disagree. <laughs> I'm not sure how official God's yeah. tweets. Any, any, yeah, any of these gods are. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so uh, Richard Lewis has now dubbed himself the Invisible Jew. Yeah, he also calls um, himself Marley's Ghost. Who is Marley's Ghost? Um, I, I guess is it Bob Marley? I don't know, but it did remind me all the way back. I think in the pilot in the pants tent, he refers to himself. He said he says the same line. He says, "What am I, Himmler's Ghost?" Mm. So this is obviously just like a, a Richard uh, Lewisism. Now Marley's what Ghost <laughs> was a sitcom in 2015. A British sitcom. That's a, but that's after but, this. Yeah, I don't think it's related. Yeah, Marley's Ghosts. It's all about the sitcom from uh. Yeah, was uh, quickly. Let's tweet at the Marley's Ghost producers and say, "Was your show inspired by this by, line?" By Richard Lewis's line on Curb Your Enthusiasm. If they have open DMs, I'll happily do so. The star of Marley's Ghost was Sarah Alexander. Do you think she's related to Jason? All right, let's find out. Well, she's from London, so unlikely. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, let's not find out. Yeah. We've done enough harassing. She was in a relationship with an. A- she was in a relationship with a guy named Jerry, actually. Oh, it all comes full circle. I'll click on this guy's page. J- J- Gerald Harper. He's ninety years old. Holy hell! Wait, this woman's in a, a relationship with a ninety-year-old. Wow, there's a big gap there. So, May December romance. All right, sorry. Let's come back to the top. Of the 
Yeah, so Larry's very apologetic, but Richard Lewis, he's like, you know, it's one thing, you're my friend. You know, I'm really upset because I just bought you an awesome gift. I, you know, saw there was like this auction and I got you this Joe DiMaggio bat that's signed by him from the World Series. And Larry's like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. How about uh, next time you see me, you'll give me the bat. And uh, next time I'll slide down to make room for you in the booth. <laughs> Seems like a good trade for Larry. Uh, yeah, it's a good trade for Larry. And uh, unfortunately, the phone call gets disconnected before, you know, they're able to come to like a real conclusion. But, uh, Larry just decides uh, to, you know, go with it and uh, continues with his day. Yeah. So we uh, we head back over to uh, Maureen's house, uh, just Maureen and the mom. And Maureen goes into the bathroom and she sees Jesus' picture and sees what she thinks is a tear coming down from his eye. And she calls her mom in and they both immediately start kneeling and praying because the only explanation for this is that this is a miracle and that their Jesus is actually crying. Yeah, there's no uh, pipe, uh, nothing dripping from the ceiling. Although here's the question. Why would this drip still be like, wouldn't it have just dripped down the painting? Why is it permanently in that one location? Maybe it is miraculous. Um, well, I mean, yeah, it could be miraculous, but like, not like, to the extent like honey, that I think. Yeah, if it's like honey. OK, so it sort of could freeze in place there. But, you know, I, I'd have never really urinated on the wall and watched what happens. But I assume it drips down and the drip doesn't just stay there permanently. As like an right. active, it's like the burning bush of pee, basically. And behold, the, uh, the the urine was not consumed. Right. Um, so, I mean, there is like there is like a whole there. This is like a thing, right, of like a Jesus crying imagery that I think is very yeah. significant. Yeah, yeah. No, the, yes, there's a reference. I understand that. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I, I didn't really research this properly, so I don't uh, really know. Um, I just I've just like I feel like I've seen this in other shows. Maybe it was like in South Park. I don't even remember. I feel like I've seen this this concept before as like an important thing. Jesus, we, uh, like the, Jesus cried blood. Jesus. Yeah, and he sweated blood also in the garden. Of, yeah, I'm not sure. We need someone who knows a little more than we do on these topics. Yeah, if you want people who know a lot about Christianity, then listen to a show of a different show. Listen yeah. to a podcast of a different show, not Kirby Enthusiasm, which is yeah. the you know for Jews and That's Gentiles, legit. but you know, <laughs> yeah. The, the relative knowledge we have of our religion relative to others, and that's probably true for a lot of people also. But um, I think it's probably weirder for people when they hear people in a minority religion who are, are so knowledgeable of theirs but ignorant of a, a much larger uh, global religion. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, we don't really know much about that. Um, but maybe oh, maybe one of our listeners sent in something about that. I didn't really uh, read the emails in advance because I don't. Um, okay, so back over to Jerry's place, Jerry's office, or Jerry and Larry's office. I'm calling it Jerry's office, though. Okay. Um, and Larry, uh, Larry wants to know Jerry's opinion on the uh, phone disconnecting situation. And he's like, you know, if you get disconnected, you have to call back to do like a proper goodbye. And Jerry's like, well, you know, if it's your wife, you should be extra careful. But friends, it's different. Um, So I think contemporaneously, the answer is you just send like a follow up text. Uh, right. These days it's easier. You can just be like, oh, hey, we got disconnected. Like, you know, Talk have a good it. one. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and but when Larry, though, says that it's Richard Lewis, Jerry's like, oh, well, that's a whole different situation because uh, <laughs> yeah. I guess he's familiar with uh, yeah. Richard Lewis's uh, very well, he, uh, neat. He saw needy Richard behavior. angrily stop off, you know. <laughs> right. Because no, well, to be fair, no one would let him sit at the table. Yeah. 
<laughs> that is fair. So it's like one of, one of the rare situations where Richard wasn't like completely unreasonable in his, you know, over the yeah. top reactions and like being needy. It's like, yeah, you weren't you're like, no one was willing to let me sit. Um, so, yeah. So Jerry's like, well, like, were you like in the wind down part of the call? Had anyone said so or all right. And this is like this is like Seinfeldian gold. This of course, conversation. Yeah. Like just like touching on like these keystones of the conversation. Like, did you say the magic words? Mm-hmm. And Larry's like, I think I think so. Um, so Jerry's like, yep, then no goodbye is needed. So Maureen comes in and she's like, hey, sorry to tell you, I'm quitting again. Um, and she tells them how, you know, because of the Jesus painting and the, and the crying and, you know, we have this miracle now. So me and my mom are going to get an RV and we're going to take this miracle on the road. So, you know, preach it to the world. And Larry's like, well, you know, maybe it was just water. And she's like, no, that can't be because it was at eye level. And there's no way that water could get that high, which I don't see why not. Um, and she wants, you know, she's hoping that Larry would be willing to uh, co-sign for her on the RV so that she's able to get it. And he's like, yeah, of course, no problem. And, you know, they agreed to, to, uh, to meet the next day at the bank. Yeah. He actually says, Larry, how can I help David? That's what his nickname is. That's what he's known as. That's how I know him as. Yeah. Um, and of course, as soon as she goes out, Jerry's like, you splashed the Jesus pick, didn't you? And Larry's like, yep, I splashed him. <laughs> Um, probably the worst thing that a Jew has done to Jesus since killing him. <laughs> we can joke about that, right? It's been 2,000 years. I think so. Yeah. Not too soon. No. Long enough. Well, given the anti-Semitism in the world, maybe we should just point out that we're joking. Yeah, but also, like, who yeah. the hell knows? Yeah. Maybe we did, maybe we didn't. Water <laughs> under the bridge, I say. <laughs> I, mean, I thought it was the Romans, but okay, fine. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we were involved. We're we were at... We were, what? We, <laughs> Who the hell even knows? Is, uh, these are these are real stories. No one knows. Well, okay, this is like it happened two thousand years ago. Yeah, but according yeah. to the, but according to the stories, we weren't involved. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay. Right. Yeah, I don't really know. I'm not that familiar. And if we did, so what? <laughs> I'm willing to own it. I'll own the killing of Jesus. Come and get me, he says. Come and get me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, they, they did yeah. get some members of your family. Well, not them. Yeah. Yeah, they're related. All right. I guess. Yeah, let's not get into that. (laughs) You're the one getting into it. I don't know. Well, I don't want to start accusing other people. (laughs) I'm willing to take responsibility for my actions vis-a-vis the killing of Jesus. Um, Okay, so um, Larry is picking up some lunch um, at Enzo's, uh, which I guess is probably some sort of uh, Italian restaurant. And Larry... over and tells him, what are you doing? You're only allowed to have two napkins. We have a very strict two napkin policy. Um, and Enzo, Enzo's like, we even had a handicapped kid in here the other day. Um, as kid handicapped. And he even he was only good with two. And Larry's like, I don't understand. What does being handicapped have to do with how you how many napkins you need? Which is a good point. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Enzo doesn't have any good answers. He just, you know, storms off. And when when Enzo is not looking, Larry grabs a huge stack of stack of napkins and puts them in his bag and leaves. Yeah. Um, now Larry, of course, thinks he's going to get away with this uh, grand napkin heist. Yeah. But no, no. As he is driving to the bank, Larry is pulled over bop and seemingly arrested for stealing napkins hmm. from a restaurant. 
So now, which do you think believe... is what do you think is more ridiculous? Yeah, the peeing up the peeing thing or the napkin thing? Because these are both very like ridiculous storylines. So let, let's let's think through this. Enzo calls the cops because uh, Enzo calls the police, and he says a customer at my re- at my restaurant at my takeout restaurant took more napkins than I consented to with his bag of food. And arrest the police's, And the police's response is, yeah, we will track this man down and arrest him. <laughs> they, put a, they put out an uh, yeah. APB on uh, Larry uh, David uh, to track to it down. Me, to me, that's more... Oh, listen, we were discussing earlier, like maybe the police sometimes are a little bit uh, overzealous, let's say. I don't even think they're doing this. Yeah, this is like way beyond. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, Enzo should get hung up on and told to go fuck himself if he calls the cops. Um, very strange. Yeah, so yeah, I think so they. Probably... Uh, yeah, so the police are really going to great lengths to catch him. Not only have they they tracked Larry down, not only have they arrested him, they were arranging for a lineup so that they could have Enzo come in and uh, identify Larry as the culprit. Uh, but when now, now, could we talk about the lineup thing? So I thought from when Kramer goes in the lineup in Seinfeld, which is like the extent of my knowledge. I thought that it's sort of like, like other than like the actual suspect, the other people are sort of professional lineup in ears. And the purpose of it is not, the purpose of it is to test the veracity of the witness, actually to like find out which person did it, right? No? Um, no? I'm asking. Because Larry and the last man, the, the fellow bald man of his, they both seem equally relieved as they uh, leave the room. <laughs> well, maybe that other guy did something else. So he was nervous about it. He was being fingered for a different crime. Well, I do love how Enzo is an anti-Baldite, but he's race blind. Completely race blind. Yeah. Doesn't see yeah. color. He, he just sees bald. Yeah, he just sees bald, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I do I do remember a few years ago, I saw this like really cute story um, of these like two kids who wanted to, um, they had this idea that like they would like get the same exact haircut. So that way their teacher wouldn't be able to tell the difference between them. And one kid was white and one kid was black. Oh, okay. And they didn't realize. Yeah. They, they didn't realize that like <laughs> their teacher would be able to tell the difference between them. Our society has decided um, these are very different people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so um, because you know they can't uh, they can't ID him in the lineup, they can't uh, they can't hold him unfortunately. Um, so you know, this criminal is back out on the street, yeah, and he calls Maureen to pick him up from the police station. Yeah, yeah, the police are I very hope- consistent. Up, so they arrest you for stealing napkins. They don't arrest you for trying to drive a guy over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll get um, to that. But there don't there don't seem to be any uh, legal consequences there. No, certainly not. Um, so yeah, so we're uh, we're heading out. And Larry all of a sudden sees uh, Richard Lewis driving and honks him to, you know, get him to pull over so, you know, I can talk to you. And, you know, Lewis goes along with it and they get out and start talking and they start arguing about the drop phone call. And at that moment, the car radio starts playing the exact same song from the wedding day of 1962. And Maureen's mother starts having flashbacks to that day. Yeah. And when she sees Richard Lewis go to try to grab the DiMaggio bat out of the bat, out of the trunk of the car to hand to Larry, she, you know, has a complete breakdown. She heads over to the other side, grabs the wheel and stomps on the gas and runs over Richard Lewis. Yeah, um, yeah that's exactly what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't really really care. Yeah. It's a funny scene. It's a funny scene. Yeah. Um. Okay, so, so that's it. we find out Richard's fine, and again, no consequences. You steal an app, no you get arrested. 
You drive over, yeah. you try to All drive right. over someone with your car. Yeah, so final final scene of the episode, um, Larry and Jerry standing outside the office, you know, uh, recounting what happens. And Larry's like, yeah, you know, I went to see Richard in the hospital, but he was sleeping. Do you think that counts? And Jerry's like, well, you know, you were there. So, you know, I guess that counts. Yeah. Um, and and Larry has to. A very weird reference is made. They say Oliver Reed and Alan Bates wrestled naked. Oh, yeah. I have no idea that is. Is that, the, is that from Borat? I don't think so. No, it's not. It was, it was Borat. In Borat, they wrestle naked. There's like a very long scene where Borat wrestles naked. I know, but the... that's not okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is um, "Women in Love" is a film from 1969. Uh huh. And Oliver Reed and Alan Bates were the two stars of it, and they had a they had a naked wrestling uh, they had a naked Japanese style wrestling scene. Rupert enjoys the closeness and said they should swear to love each other. But Gerald cannot understand Rupert's idea of wanting to have an emotional union with a man as well as an emotional physical union with a woman. Well, this movie seems, oh, very ahead of itself for 1969. It won some Oscars. Best actress. Oh, good so, for them. How come you haven't seen Women in Love? You're a film buff. Um, it, didn't win the be- it didn't win the Oscar, did it? No, she won Best, she won best Actress. Okay, yeah. So I have not seen, uh, there's many movies I haven't seen. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. Okay. Um, I know. Yeah, I've never even heard of that movie. Yeah, it's it's the next line though from the quote that you opened the podcast with. Mm. So yeah, yeah, I stopped Put right on there. Coats and ties, three jackets, smoke some cigarettes, have a good writing day, and then maybe wrestle naked like Oliver Reed and Alan Bates. <laughs> ah, okay, there you go. Yeah. Um, so um, Larry, of course, has to pee, but the office, of course, is locked. So he decides to go pee outside because he has no choice. And while he's doing so, Maureen and her mother come upon him. And when his spray hits them in the face, they figure out that the tear from the Jesus picture painting was actually Larry's pea spray. And the mother is so distraught to realize that what she thought was a miracle was merely a Jewish man's urine. Yeah, totally valid, by the way. I mean, (laughs) to be very distraught about that. I'm not sure if the reaction is valid, but she jumps off the building only to be pulled back by Larry. And he ends up falling off the building and ends up grabbing on to the only thing that he can. The flab of Maureen's belly from the very first scene comes full circle and saves Larry's life. And it makes no fucking sense. She's standing there with her two arms completely unused. <laughs> well, she's using her belly to hold him up. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I mean, I made a joke before, but this is some weird Larry Charles shit. Like between the husband getting hacked to death and then the mom almost jumping to her death. It's a very dark episode of Curb, is it not? It's a very dark episode. It's a very weird, yeah. very silly, wacky. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what's your rating for this episode? My rating is for this episode is I say it is pretty, pretty good. Um, not that good. I give it two out of five. Um, just, you know, as we've said, you know, a lot of these storylines, it's like don't make any sense at all. And I just like didn't even think it, there was like such great payoffs either. So like I'm willing to overlook some of the wackiness if it like had great comedic payoffs, but I don't think it did do that either. So um, I think this is definitely a below average episode, two out of five. Yeah, there's a lot of funny ref like very random references they make to each other. There's a lot of good lines. Um, I like the what are you being in some kind of Mormon mutation? I like uh, I think every erection is a miracle, which is what Larry says when Maureen's mother asks if she, if she believes in miracles. The episode, like the parts of the episode which are Larry and Jerry hanging out, that's amazing. 
That's a show about nothing. Yes. That part's all great. But the rest with the narrative, the heavy urination, the bare midriff, I, I don't like any of the stories. Just give me Jerry and Larry hanging out. That's all I want. And then you can throw yep. in a smattering of like pissed off Richard. That's pretty good also. So that part of the episode I like. The plot parts of the episode I don't like. So overall, I will say pretty, pretty, pretty good. So two and a half pretties for me. That's uh, two and a half pretties and two and a half no pretties to use uh, Jerry Jerome's uh, nomenclature. And that's uh, episode 40 ranking out of 66 for me so far. So All right. a little below average, but fine. Yeah, uh, who is your come with guy? I think this is um, pretty obvious. Yeah, my come with guy is uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Um, I think he's just uh, every the scenes that he's in are the best scenes of the episode. The the energy of him and Larry together, as we said before, it's it's the only part of this episode that works for me. So gotta go with Jerry. Yeah, it's like complete unanimity there. I mean, I guess we'll find out. Some of our listeners want different takes, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And then who is the fucking asshole? The uh, fucking asshole of the week is Enzo um, for having, to begin with, a very ridiculous policy of only two napkins. You know, if somebody's buying like a $20 lunch, let them have as many napkins as you want. They don't like they cost a penny. Um, and like not only to have a policy to enforce it so strictly, to call the cops, to, um, yeah, the whole thing. Every, everything Enzo does is uh, complete insanity. Yeah. Enzo is a fucking asshole. I agree with you. Um, counterpoint. Angry driver and flashback. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, uh, what I'm going to say, though, about that is that like, I don't know how much we're trusting this woman's memory of this story because yeah. she claims, first of all, that Larry is the spitting image of her husband, which he yeah. is most certainly not. Well, in the picture, um, he's not. But, like, again, then in the flashback, it's Larry David himself saying Schmohawk. So I'm, the, the world's <laughs> – the, I'm very confused by what we're supposed to be. Like yeah. That. So I'm, I'm thinking about that now. Maybe it's like she's telling the story, and because she has told him – that her husband is the spinning image of Larry. Larry is now envisioning the story oh, and inserting so himself so into the I story. See. So we're not That's actually watching yeah. her tell the story. We're watching what Larry hears of the story. Yeah, I think she's, she's, she's narrating, and this is like Larry picturing it. Yeah. But the part and then it would like, make sense that he, he sees himself like as like an older version of himself, because like that's how he thinks of himself now. But then, but then also, like, the part with the song, that's accurate. And there's no way for him to know that's accurate unless she would have said to him, by the way, this is the song that was playing on the radio, <laughs> which there'd be no reason for her to say because it wouldn't be relevant unless it comes up 47 years later, which she wouldn't have predicted at the time. So, yeah. yeah well, maybe it was on the whiteboard. Yeah. So she knew. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm very confused by the, the different worlds here. So um, should we go to the postman? We should go to the postman. Nice. Postman! Postman, come here! Tell the neighborhood! First email is from William Blake, who says, Dear Alex and Av, my name is Will, and I just see bald. The premise of the Christ painting taking new meaning after water damage is similar 
to It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, season two, episode, The Gag Exploits a Miracle. Okay, there you go. Oh, I yes, knew I had seen this. It. Yeah, I okay. knew I had seen this before. The bathroom, um, perfect. Great. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Great job, Will. You, uh, yeah. you, 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 you brought this all together. Um, except unlike the gang, Larry does not become a religious zealot using it for money. Come with guy Jerry. Larry shocks him with the premature casting of Cheryl, and he decides to just go with it. Worst person is Enzo's owner sending the cops after Larry for the napkins. Very petty. Two and a half pretties out of five. I thought the Seinfeld and Lewis stuff was funny, but the midriff through line fell flat. So he's, yeah, he's completely simpatico with us. Yeah, he's with us. Uh, next up is Jared Jerome. He says, this is the most Larry Charles an episode could possibly be. Yeah, I said this that episode, also. <laughs> this episode was wild. And as it got crazier and crazier, I was thinking to myself, this has to be a Larry Charles vehicle. And of course it was. Oh, a he blunt- literally directed this? Uh, I guess that's what he's saying. Oh, funny. I didn't even bother looking that up. I just called it Larry Charles shit because that's what it was. But yeah, that's funny. funny. Um, yeah. So, so like Larry Charles is what, like a lot of like the season nine Seinfeld stuff, right? No, he does the, uh, he does the cable boy episode. What have you done to my cable boy? Uh-huh. He does the weird stuff, the violent stuff. The okay. But not I- so, but not like the really weird, like season nine storylines, like Merv Griffin or I whatever. Think he does that's- more of the earlier seasons, I think. But uh-huh. I'm not okay. Right now, but the, I mean, the, when when you say Larry Charles episode, the episode I think of is the Cable Boy. Got it. Um. Okay. Um. A blood spatter crowbar. High- he also he also directed Borat, which you mentioned previously with the Naked Wrestling. Right. Scene, right. 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 Enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a bloody spattered crowbar, highway murder scene, uncontrollable pee that splatters on Jesus's face, Lewis getting chopped in two by a car, getting booked to be in a lineup for taking napkins from a restaurant, suicide attempts, hanging on for dear life to a stomach full of flab. Only the sick, brilliant mind of one Larry Charles could be behind this. The episode was totally ridiculous and all over the place, but it was a lot of fun. And hey, what are we doing here if we can't have some fun? Seinfeld connection. First, I just want to say that it's so obvious how much of a good time Jerry and Larry are having filming this together. Jerry's issue with breaking character and laughing throughout scenes has become contagious and brought out the weak acting chops in Larry as the two of them can't contain their smirks and chuckles as the buddies are back together shooting the shit and spinning yarn. It's great to see. Jerry really needed this. Side note, this made me realize how good an actor Larry is throughout the series. Very impressive in so many ways from the supposed non-action. I just wanted to give him his due. I completely agree. I I've noticed that. I think I even mentioned that a few episodes ago. How Larry, his reacting is great. Like, you know, you know, you know, they, they teach you that in acting school, as I've seen on TV shows, is that the key to acting is reacting. Um, yeah. And Larry is a is an A plus reactor on Kirby Enthusiasm. Yeah, he's very good. He's much better. Than- um, so that was a literal Seinfeld connection. As for the references, number one, you had the odds and evens battle between Larry, Jerry, and Larry, much yep. like the odds and evens battle between Jerry and George to decide who gets the apartment in season one, episode three, the robbery. No, I actually both- prefer I prefer Inca Dink. Incadink, yeah. yeah. Uh, but we, yeah, we had we had like an Incadink situation on Curb as well. Yeah. Um, I don't remember when, and it was like the same exact thing where he was trying to set it up so that he could win. Oh, it was with the kidney with him and him yeah, and yeah. Uh, Jeff yeah. moving with the kidney, yeah. and then he lost. But Susie's like, "Fuck you, Jeff's not doing it." Yeah, exactly. Uh, in both cases, Jerry picks odds. In the Seinfeld situation, it was best of three compared to one and done in Curb. Yeah. You have the arguing and awkwardness of sharing the same side of the booth with Lewis, which was referenced a couple times on Seinfeld. The one I think of is Jerry's pet peeve. I asked for more Jerry's stories and personal nonsense last email, and it comes in the very next episode. Three, the not the napkin Nazi again to the soup Nazi. Frankly, I think the napkin Nazi was even crazier, and his chicken parmesan sandwiches don't even make one's knees buckle. I loved in that scene how the guy made the handicap reference that didn't really make any sense, and Larry called him on it. He probably ad-libbed it, and Larry realized it didn't really hold up and challenged him in real time, even though it had nothing to do with the point of the scene. 
That's the kind of stuff you're getting a curb that you're not getting anywhere else. That's a good call. I could see that happening. Um, and final Seinfeld connection, Larry being in the lineup was reminiscent of Kramer being in the lineup in season six, episode 16, The Beard. Yep. Again, the curb example, even cooker in the Seinfeld example, and the Seinfeld example included Kramer. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, come with Guy. Kramer. Come with Guy. He gives to Richard Lewis. He has to deal with Larry and Jerry acting like Wait, infants what? and he wants it. Oh, wow. Jerry doesn't get come with from Jared here? <sighs> I guess not. Jerome. Well, Jerome. He, as he waits to join them for lunch, and they argue about who doesn't want to sit next to him. He then makes the call to Larry for his apology and tells Larry he got him a sign to Maggio about, which he's still going to give him. He gets hung up on, or so he thinks, for his efforts, and he's still going to give it Larry the bat on the side of the road and gets T-boned for his efforts. As Jerry said, that's a tough guy. Asshole of the week. This is a tough one. Maureen is unprofessional, but I hardly call her an asshole. Jerry's a little assholey, but he's Jerry. Same with Larry. Cheryl's in the running for the mere fact that she was breathing. But all she did was assume she'd get an acting gig. She's not qualified for simply based on the fact that her ex-husband, who she unceremoniously dumped, is running said show. Oh, no, um, no, no, I no. would just add because on. She thinks that because Larry told yeah. her. Yeah, he told her. She's not making <laughs> yeah. a presumption because he's director of the show. I mean, she did ask. Yeah, for that, she right? said, yeah he told her she's in the show. Um, so in other words, she was an angel for her normal self. Maureen's mom was lovely, a little unstable, but lovely nonetheless. I'm going to take an outside-the-box candidate and choose 1962 Highway Murderer as my yeah. asshole of the week. <laughs> you know, someone honked him and he murdered them, leading to yeah. psychological aftereffects for generations and eventually an attempted murder of our beloved come-with guy, Richard yeah. Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> and and an eventual um, attempted suicide. Yeah. So this guy's got a lot of blood on his hands. Yeah. He's responsible for all of it. Uh, most of all, fake Larry is the, is the main guy that he murdered. Yeah. Uh, with a crowbar. Yeah. Uh, for his ranking, as I said in the open, this one is nutty, all over the place, inconceivable, but also very funny, akin to a season nine episode of Seinfeld. Okay, so that's what I said. Um, I mostly weigh interconnectivity, realism, and funniness when ranking, and this one is middle of the pack in the first, at the bottom of the second, and close to the top in the third. I was dying when Larry was hanging on to the bare midriff as the current music commenced. All in all, I ranked this episode right in the middle, 32 of 66, and I'll say it was pretty, pretty, pretty good. That's three pretties, two no pretties, never change, Larry Charles, never change. Interesting, yeah. Okay, good job, Jared. Third email is from Zach Brooks, who says, the obvious question, this is an obvious question, but why didn't Larry just use some toilet paper to clean off the Jesus? Uh, Yes. (laughs) I love that Jerry and Larry basically did an episode of Comedians and Cards Getting Coffee. Yes. Kind of ho-hum episode that's elevated because of the Jerry and Larry dynamic. Where the hell is Leon? 3.0. Three pretties out of five for just for Zach. So how many no pretties and is that for then, Zach? And then how many what? How many no pretties is that for Zach if he says three pretties? Uh, three pretties, two no pretties. Ah, okay, there we go. And then last up, we have Olin Allen, who says, with Cheryl's family currently out of the loop, it was nice that Larry can still fit an episode around Christian iconography. I thought there was quite a similarity between Larry and the secretary's mother's ex-husband. Oh, so he thinks they are. He thinks it is the spinning image. Reminded me of the statue of the Virgin I mean, Mary that maybe, was said. Maybe, he's, maybe you're just a bald like too, an anti-bald like. Yeah, maybe. So Olin definitely sees bald. Yeah. Um, it reminded me of the statue of the Virgin Mary <laughs> that was said to have moved near where I grew up that became a notable tourist and pilgrimage attraction. Unfortunately, no tears were shed. I like La- Jerry's classic film reference to Women in Love, Alan Bates and Oliver Reed wrestling naked by the fire. There you go. Of course, Olin, yeah. uh, old, probably Olin's favorite movie, yeah. but a bit too modern to be my I, top I, five I, old I'm gonna bet film that references. Jim also got that reference. Yeah, he seems to be well versed in these uh, films. Uh, he says it is a pleasing mid range episode, three pretties out of five, 48th so far for Olin, just ahead of the carpool lane. 
his come with guy, also Richard Lewis. Uh, Olin, basically, if Richard Lewis is in the episode, he's going to be Olin's come with guy. Yeah, can I, I ask believe. a question? Is this the most, um, like, the smallest range of rankings we've ever had? That there's only, oh, that it's right. It's everyone is between, between two, and two and three. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. It's like incredibly consistent. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the I think I saw on your uh, I looked at your spreadsheet because when I watched that episode, I was like that episode was not that good, and I wanted to see what the rankings were. And I think the overall rankings are much higher on it. Uh, but we'll get there in a minute. Um, yeah, so he says Richard Lewis still giving Larry such a previous gift, such a precious gift. He wrote previous, but I think he meant precious. Um, after sorry for calling out Owen's uh, bad spelling, after being ignored and mistreated. Fucking asshole of the week is the murderer of Larry's Caucasian lookalike, who I would also nominate as the all-time asshole at this stage. Um, yeah, I guess that's interesting. Um, so I mean, murder someone. Yeah. Currently, the current the current belt holder. Is, well, we didn't. Even, neither of us even made him the asshole this episode. So I guess he can't be. No, I did. I did. You did. You did. Okay. So yeah. would you say that he is your your is Jeff your current belt holder from uh, potentially raping Bam Bam uh, in the season opener? That, yeah, but you, you know what? Somehow there? Jeff is still worse to me because, like, this guy might have just had one moment of road rage. <laughs> right. He only murdered one guy in the road. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, condoning murder, obviously, but I do feel like there's a um, there's a longer track record of of evil inclination from uh, from Jeff. So I'm gonna give Jeff the lead. Yeah. Still. Yeah, and I I also have Jeff, right? So he's the he's the undisputed belt holder now. At the moment, he is. Yeah, he's be- okay. be- beating a- beating a murderer. So good job. Yeah, and beating neighbor Dean. Yeah. Uh, um, so you hold on. Okay. So, to come back, so you were talking about the rankings overall. I think I saw Vultures at thirty-two, Ringers at thirty-five. Uh, one person has it ranked number nine, but everybody else has it ranked. But thirty-two, thirty-five—that's very—that's very high. There's a hundred episodes. No, but these rankings, I haven't updated this document since um, season episode, season eight. So it's only out of 80 episodes. Okay, that's still top half. This to me is not is very much not a top half curve. Episode. Okay, th- yeah, the 32 and 35 it. aren't that different than, you know, whatever. They're, they're, they're saying it's somewhere in the middle, basically. I don't think people... The, there's one ranking that really likes this episode. Otherwise, people are generally... Um, let me see. Why, why does this person rank this episode as number nine overall? Let's see what they have to say for themselves. The Bear Midriff. Who is, the, who is this person that we're talking about? Um, this is IGN.com. Max Nicholson. I don't know who this guy is. This may be Curb's most out there episode ever, but because it's Curb, it works in its own weird Kirby way. Uh, the Bear Midriff holds up as one of Curb's most underrated gems. All right. I don't, I don't necessarily agree, but I, I respect the take. I respect the enthusiasm oh. behind the take. Okay. Um, so the uh, the audience score from our uh, four listeners who sent in averages out to a 2.88. Um, and I will uh, remind you, as always, that you can send in your feedback to curbpostman at gmail.com and send us your review, your feedback questions or just a rating of the episode is fine as well if you want to be included in the audience score average um with uh the audience score of 2.88 and your score of 2.5 and my score of 2.0 that average is out to 2.46 out of 5 which makes this the 57th ranked episode so far 
out of 67. So we have it as, you know, a bottom 10 episode so far. So, you know. So that's much lower. Okay. Yeah, that's much lower. That's what I'm saying. Like when I saw those, I was like, really? That's they have this as like a top third, top half episode. Like we, I, I, I view this as like a bottom 10 episode. Um, so that was surprising to me. Um, yeah. But to each their own. Um, speaking of stats, I uh, I uh, did some uh, scouting of our some of our stats on the uh, the podcasting charts, uh-huh. and um, I was able to find out our uh, our ranking in the TV reviews category on the iTunes charts in uh, several countries. We are in the top hundred in three different countries. Okay. Um, number sixty six in Ireland. Thanks, Olin Allen. Okay. We are ninety five. Number ninety five in Australia. Okay. Uh, I believe. Th- thank you, Sam Averis. Well, he's in New Zealand. Oh, he's in New Zealand. Same thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then number eighty in Denmark. I didn't know that we had any Danish listeners. Ah, okay. Um, pretty, 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 number, pretty good. Number one hundred seventy two in Sweden. Okay. And number 132 in the United States of America. Not bad. There's 131 above us. 131 in TV reviews. Now, there's a separate category called TV and film, um, which I think is more competitive. Category. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, well, where's NGOG in the TV uh, reviews category? Um, I can look up NGOG. Let's see. I don't know if they're in the same category as us. Let's no. see. I mean, they, they do the same thing in terms of like a weekly episode of a TV show. I looked at 32 fans. You're in, you're in fantasy sports. That's our category? Yeah. Odd. What if there's a way um, to change that? You could change it, yes. Our initial, our initial host was uh, EliteFantasySports.com, the, the site that hosted us. So maybe that's why. Oh, so that's probably why you ended up there. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, New girl, fun. old guy. This oh, is a podcast where we look up uh, rankings of other podcasts. New Girl Old Guy, a New Girl Rewatch podcast, Ali and Akiva, track. Okay, let's see. They are... Okay, so they're in TV and film. That's where they categorize themselves, Only so it's, it's, oh, okay. it's hard to tell. Um, okay. They are in the top 100 in Israel. Okay. No, but I wanted to know where they were specifically in the same category of TV. Oh, so they're not... They're not they didn't... Yeah. TV reviews is a subcategory of TV and film. Oh. How do you, I didn't know you can choose that yourself, or there's an algorithm that yeah, it, yeah, you choose it yourself. Oh, how do you do that? We could choose, we could switch to be whatever we want. Yeah, okay. We could say that we're a cooking podcast. I'd say we're we're Judaism and Christianity. We're we could switch podcast. to Judaism. We would probably do better if we switch to Judaism. Maybe for a future episode. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So oh, that's actually, actually not a, that's, that's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> oh, I was I was. All right, never mind. Did you get my joke? I get your joke, but I'm, and I'm saying it's actually not a bad idea to switch. Oh, oh literally. Okay. Um, all right. Next week is uh, the Black Swan. Larry makes uh, some grand financial gestures. Uh, he has bad luck on the same golf hole twice when he's blamed for a fellow member's heart attack and the death of a black swan. And we may have uh, someone to uh, discuss this episode with us. Yeah, we're uh, hopefully going to have a guest next week. So that should be really fun. It's the swan uh, back from the dead. <laughs> We're having the swan on. <laughs> uh, I don't think swans would be great on podcasts. Yeah, I didn't even know if it was a black swan. I don't see color. I only I know it was a bald swan. I see only bald. That swan had no hair. Yeah. All right. Oh, we got to wrap this up, don't we? Uh, 
yeah, we, we've we've painted ourselves into this corner that we now have to do this uh, awkward thing to end the podcast every week. Um, yeah, uh, I actually have to say that we've been podcasting for an hour and a half, and I really have to urinate. And although I don't expect my uh, stream to be as powerful as Larry's, I do hope that my stream will be. <laughs> pretty, 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 pretty good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Ending it with the uh, talk of me going piss. All right, let's do it. Report back, please. On the on my urine. Okay. Well.